life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. We've got a little bit different podcast this evening for you because we're going to do that thing we talk about a lot. You guys write back to us and you say, here's what I got. Not everybody does, but a percentage of you do. We have gathered up three of those to open the top of the podcast. We'll get to a car debate on the back end as well. But three of you that wrote in that have told us what you got, we want to give you a little bit of that kind of closing of that story. Takes a little time because we got to go back and listen to the podcast ourselves and go. Wait, what did we say? Yeah, this is cool. It's all about conclusions, and like you said, it's you know not everybody tells us what they got, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And you will notice that it sort of gets people thinking differently. Sometimes there's people who write in and just want us to validate their car choices. Sometimes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Other times it's really I'm open. I could go for any brand. Totally. But it just even if you don't choose what we say, that's hardly the point. Mm-hmm. It's just to get you thinking Completely. into yeah, different yeah, yeah. you know headspace and get your rear end into into some different cars. Well, and also you know a hat tip to all those of you that have written over the over the years and have said that you haven't sent in a car debate, but by listening to the car debates, it has helped you think about what you wanted and why, and now you have a car you love. We love that story. I was just telling Paul on the way over here tonight, I drove the Lotus over here, and in the first (laughs) mile from my house, it just made my whole day. I just was just like, and I drove it earlier today, I love that. It's not like I didn't drive it until then. I drove it all day, but just that mile was one of those things where everything lined up with the green light and the entrance of the freeway, and I was just like, I love this car. We want you to feel the same way. (laughs) Well, there's uh, a bit of news about car manufacturers and some car models that are changing. And I wanted to start out with the first one here about Volvo. Well, the thing is, it's all about sedans. It is sedans, definitely. And and the S60 has dropped, which I have been waiting for. Mm -hmm. Honestly, if the S90 is going to redefine their look for sedans, then... Come on, that's S60 a good way to go. Got to be good looking, and yeah. sure enough, it is. Oh yeah, but yeah, you're right. It is the sedan discussion. How it comes up more frequently about people not really wanting sedans mm-hmm. or car manufacturers not offering them. Well, that's the it's big very thing. interesting. Yeah, it's the big thing. Is everybody's going well? We don't know if we're going to make sedans anymore. That seems to be the ongoing rumor. It starts with Ford, and now there's a discussion in general about sedans. But Volvo comes along with this great looking S60, mm-hmm. which is clearly a throwdown in the world of sedans. Hopefully, it sells because it looks good. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be I, – I love this car already. I'm just floored by the design. It's just really stylish, tasteful, modern, yeah. beautiful, well-crafted, all those things. You can see it in the car. You know, I, I'm actually it's wondering – gorgeous. I'm wondering if Volvo right now is what Audi was at the early 2000s. Uh, that's a good – that's you know, interesting In the early 2000s, everything Audi dropped, sure. I feel like we were all going, well, that's another great-looking car. And, oh, man, man, look at that interior. That was all of the mm. early 2000s Audis. And everybody kind of caught up to them. And now I feel like Volvo, everything they're dropping is in that vein. And I'm just very impressed. I, I'm not expecting yeah. this to be a dynamic powerhouse to drive, but it's also not its point. Well, I like that it's a good-looking mid-sized sedan. Well, check this out. Speaking of power, yeah, just the entry-level welcome to the new S60 gets mm-hmm. you 250 horsepower, turbocharged engine, two-liter, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. small displacement. The same engine they use in everything. <laughs> it is, but then you step up and they turbocharge and supercharge that engine. It's crazy. Gives you 316 horsepower, and then the top end, the ultimate in performance, it is the S60 T8 twin-engine plug-in hybrid e all-wheel drive. Yeah, don't rattle that off. That's the model name. Yeah. It's only available in the R design and inscription trims. It's turbocharged, supercharged, 
and it has a rear electric motor for a total of 400 horsepower output. Mm. They did everything you can do to <laughs> engines and added an electric motor. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, supercharging for the, the instant air and then turbocharging for the, the long term. The higher, yeah, the higher power later. Yeah, yeah. And then an electric motor on and on. Yeah. They that's... put everything they could think of in this car. 400 horsepower. <laughs> Holy cow. Here's all of the propulsion systems. Let's put them all on Let's that car. Let's try it all. Why not? And look at this thing. It's yeah, beautiful. It's cool. They worked hard on it. I'm really, really thrilled with this. But it is a sedan, and mm-hmm. it remains to be seen how long those will remain. Let's hope they stay. I, I, I'm going to go back to something we said a few podcasts ago, and that is I wish people would drive smaller cars just to experience smaller cars, and then I think we'd buy smaller cars. But we just keep driving yeah. these things that insulate us, and bigger is better, and that means we keep asking for more stuff. The other problem, I, yeah. I remember hearing this at one point, and I fully believe it. All of these car manufacturers, when you buy a new car, they send it a survey. Yeah. Okay. And, and, yeah. and you know what? The Mini brand is the best example of this. They sent out a survey. And, and the survey is all these questions from people that actually bought the car new. What do you like? What do you not like? What would you like more of? And there's, there's a standard question on there that is essentially, would you like more room? Nobody doesn't ask that question. Everybody asks, would you like more room? Or, oh. or how do you feel about the space? Well, everybody on the planet is going to look at that and go, I'd like a little more space. I mean, look, if you sent me a brand new buyer survey on my Lotus Elise <laughs> and one of the questions was, would you like more space? I'd probably still say, well, yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to have more space. <laughs> Who wouldn't say that? And as I a result, suppose. there is steady creep because the marketing department says, see, see, they like more space. Nobody thinks to say, yes, but the brand is called Mini. So the point is, while they might like more space, we make small cars. But then they keep growing and growing and growing. You didn't get that, did you, when you registered your car? Did you send your – No, 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 no. You no. know, I own a used Mini now into Mini? No, 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 no. I'm saying – no, it's, it's it's new. But like when my wife and I brought, bought our brand-new GMC Acadia, we got one of those Oh, those right. When right. you are a new car buyer, you will get one of these satisfaction surveys. And invariably, that question is always on there. And I don't think there's a person on the planet that says – no, I don't need any more space. Everybody would like a little more space than they currently have. We're, we're, we're just kind of greedy for space. Yeah. But now you have the problem of brand creep because the marketing department goes, see, everybody says they want more space. We've got room for a new model, uh, BMW. Let's yeah, anyway. slot a new model in but, there. But they're not the only ones. Volvo's not the only ones doing sedans. We've talked right, about the fact right. that Ford has said, well, forget that. Cadillac is making moves. Huge moves. Cadillac is fact. putting apparently the better part of $200 million worth of investment into killing three cars. Crazy. To resurrect two. They're going to kill the XTS, which, brief pause, why did the XTS exist? <laughs> that should never been made, honestly. It was for the New York black car service. It was for that market. It, it's a front-wheel drive. Yeah. Upper, it's supposed to be the top of the line, but by the way, it happens to be a front-wheel drive big sedan. It doesn't it never really Yawn. looked right. It never really drove right yeah. for what it should be. Of course, replacing that The proportions that by, were weird. Yeah. Because was, of front-wheel drive architecture. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was kind of an Impala in, in, uh, in the... Cadillac clothing, you know, <laughs> underneath. Seriously, it's an so there's that. So then, so then, uh, Cadillac has now released the CT6, which is good looking. That's their new big halo. Car. I actually saw one here drive by me, and I thought, wow, that looks great. It's got a lot I'd of presence. Never own one, but it looks great. It's got a lot of presence. It, it it does well for what it's supposed to be, which is not a car you and I would buy, but it's no. still good for that. No. But they're going to kill the CTS mm-hmm. and ATS along with the XTS, but they're going to resurrect. Those two smaller ones, CTS and ATS, they may be called like CT5 and CT3. We don't know yet. Somewhere in there. They're kind of changing their nomenclature a mm-hmm. little bit. Okay. They should go back to names. But anyway, <laughs> but that means... Hey, Porsche does names in case... You well, know, I've heard about it, yeah. You haven't 
realize that. That yeah, they end up with things like Tycan. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah, whatever. So, uh, <laughs> but that means theoretically, I don't know, of course, but that means Cadillac may be dropping two not only newer sedans. But they will probably be rear-wheel drive again, which is all good news. Hopefully. They're spending $175 million to go do this. Mm-hmm. Their recent director has been ousted or he left, and you know they're kind of reforming their image again. <laughs> he ruined names for Infinity. He ruined names for Cadillac, and he Wait. moved on. This is apparently what he does. Don't he, he hire hangs, this guy. He hangs around long enough to ruin names, <laughs> changes the nomenclature, Puts in his resignation and goes. Oh, my gosh. You're right. That's crazy. All right. Well, uh, we've got three car conclusions here, everyone. And then we'll get to a debate, which is very different after the break. It's a debate for not necessarily buying a car, but for the perception around a car. And and. All, almost a confirmation debate of did I do this right or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah. A, that's in there too, and even a parenting discussion. There's a lot going on in that second little debate, and yeah. it's not. And it, yeah, and it was true. a short email too. I know One of those kind of like like thought bomb emails. It's like, what about this? And then Paul and I, twenty minutes later, going, <laughs> oh my gosh, there's so much there. There's so much. Anyway, all right, so we'll jump to Tom. He's in the UK from episode two sixty seven. Yes, thank you, Tom. He wrote to us asking for a car, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was looking at, uh, I think, a few things. He was pretty open, though. Well, he he was kind of looking at our greatest hits. Mm -hmm. He was driving an NMR2. He was kind of looking at our greatest hits. And he said he might want a Mark 7 GTI, maybe an 86 Focus ST. He was kind of curious about rear-wheel drive. He wanted something that had handling. Coming Mm -hmm. out of an MR2 Spider, wanted a lot more usability than that, which, by the way, is a very low bar. (laughs) <laughs> More usability than an MR2 Spider. The only only way you go worse is you go Lotus Elise. Pretty much. Everything else is on car. the positive side. Your car's terrible. Everything else on the positive side. It doesn't matter. So wanted, ideally, you know, good low center of gravity, good rotation. Yeah. Handling was yep. his interest. Mm-hmm. And we recommended uh, the Renault Megane because we really like that as a front-wheel drive yeah, hatch. Yeah. We recommended that. Uh, you mentioned the S2000, which we concluded at the time might actually be more usable than an MR2. <laughs> I still think so. You said the Mercedes SLK, which was a good one that I hadn't thought I of. I like the SLK because they were available with manual transmissions in Europe and the UK, yeah. which yeah, yeah. was great. We also talked about possible wild cards of maybe with his budget, which was, by the way, uh, hopefully less than 15,000 pounds. Remember, we're UK here. That uh, maybe an M3... There were some E90 generations, E92 generations yeah. out there, and yep. there definitely some E46s. We talked about all of that. Well, Tom went shopping and stumbled across something he was kind of surprised to find and found a car he loves. This is beautiful. Thank you for the photos, Tom. He bought a 2013 Mini Cooper S, John Cooper Works, in British Racing Green, naturally, over tan leather. Gorgeous combination. It looks great. It looks really, really cool. Oh, 34,000 miles, full history, lots of options. Mm-hmm. He picked it up. He's already been on two fun drives. He cannot get enough of this car. <laughs> he said it's engaging. It's fun to drive. He loves it. And he paid 15,000 pounds. Came in $3,000 under budget. No, no, no. He, 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 he had 15,000 as his cap. He paid 12,000. Oh, that's right. He paid 12. 12,000 3,000 under the 15, which is, you're right. And, and 35,000 miles on full dealer history. Everything. All on. the history. This is, this is, this is one of those cars, kind of like your, uh, your Cayman, actually, where it's just, Got it from the dealer. Here's everything that's ever been done to the car since it was new. I mean, it was one of somebody those somebody just puttered around cars. in it, and somebody bought it from that dealer, sold it from on. the dealer, done. Yeah, you know they just I mean? moved on to something else. And and Tom, this car. I am thrilled for you and your wife. I think that's amazing. I know you guys are excited about having a new fun car. And the thing is, I like the fact that you came out of an MR2 Spider, which is genuinely fun to drive. 
Mm-hmm. But here you mm-hmm. got something that covered all the other bases. It's much more usable. It's newer tech. It's all of those things you were excited about. You wound up front wheel drive and are still thrilled. The new T-shirt is my usable car is a mini. <laughs> my spacious, yes. huge, usable yes. road trip car my, is a mini. My pickup is a mini. Yes, there you go. That's <laughs> Seriously. The That's very good. So, Tom, congratulations on that. Thanks for the photos, by the way. The photos, I mean, this is a cool story, but the photos make me go, yeah, that's a fine. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's really cool. The leather, bravo. tan leather. I really like that And in that great shape, too. It's yeah. just really good looking. So, bravo. I have also love the idea of British racing green in Britain. Done. Brilliant. Naturally. Brilliant. All right, so Bill from episode 284 writes to us, after three months of research and test drives, they found their car. He and his wife found their car, which checks all the boxes, two plus two seating, V8 power, manual transmission. He also asked for great road manners, super handling, and it's got to look fantastic. And here was the thing. If you don't remember Bill's story, Bill and his wife, that was the podcast about Granny Kana. Where we kept joking about where Bill and his wife should decide to be bad neighbors and just do burnouts through the neighborhood and knock over all the mailboxes while drifting. And they should be those people for fun. Hey, okay, they got the right car for it. And and and, and you may remember they they were grandparents and they had a Honda Odyssey, which was staying. But they were like, we could park that at the curb. And we said, yes, park Mm -hmm. that at the curb and get yourself some V8 power. You wanted V8. You found V8. You found yourself a 2014 Mustang GT Premium. Black inside and out. That was one of the cars Gorgeous. we mentioned. We had talked about an E90 M3 because you had said you wanted a big V8. That's a great one. We talked about a Mustang GT as a possibility. Yeah. Uh, yep. In fact, Paul had even really encouraged you with the GT because you were like, maybe. And Paul said, yeah. Yeah, I backed you on that, Bill. I so had to. We also talked the M235, the 86. And I just kind of gave you drive homework. I said, drive the 86, drive the Camaro, the 370Z. And then I kind of pleaded with you, Bill. <laughs> to buy yourself a a, a, C, uh, a Corvette C6 Grand Sport because I found one at your budget. That's right. But not right. be the old slow people in the left lane. But to your credit, you have found this Mustang GT and you and your wife are thrilled. All the options you wanted. It, you describe it as it's all of the driver options. Which is great. I, I mean, he's saying the only options that he had on there were the Brembo brakes and included 19-inch wheels, strut tower brace, LSD in the, the rear, slip, yeah. uh, rear parking assist, security package. What else? Well, um, no nav, no sunroof, no heated seats. This is a driver's car. Right. Bravo. He said local trade at the Chevy dealer. The price was twenty two seven seven five, right inside their twenty to twenty five thousand dollar budget. And then they took it to Cars and Coffee. So excited they took it to Cars and Coffee. I, I like everything about this story. Totally. Except you haven't told us anything about burnouts yet. So I am still awaiting burnout pictures. Well, exactly. Yeah. And they got it for 22, which is right in the middle, which leaves you room, Bill, for new tires at the rear. At a least one set of tires. supply. Why not? So, I mean, pictures. <laughs> are your neighbors angry yet? Because if your neighbors aren't angry, then you're not doing it right. <laughs> Here you go. Or the neighbors need to be jealous. <laughs> one of the two. Either angry or insanely jealous. Well, Bill got that cool new car yeah here comes bill again here comes yeah. bill's wife look at look yeah. at what she's doing thrilled for you guys this is the big thing and this is the trend on all of these and, and to tom and bill's point and coming up another one here in a minute that you guys wound up in something and you're just you're excited to tell us about it yeah that's what that. lets us know that that it's happened right and we're excited for you as well so bill and your wife were thrilled that you guys wound up in that mustang send a picture of that as well that is a blacked out beast gorgeous it's very cool looking yeah so glad all right moving on to our third conclusion here from isaac and sarah from episode 282 they're in philadelphia do you remember these guys Mm -hmm. they're wedding photographers in philly 
And they have dogs that weigh 100 pounds. 200-pound dogs. Yeah. One was the Malamute. And I asked the question about how talkative is your Malamute, because some of them, I made the comment, they talk all the time. Right. They kind of And Isaac wrote back and said, honestly, our Malamute's kind of quiet, because most of the time they're either silent assassins or they will not <laughs> shut up. Okay? Right. So there's the, one of these two things. So he said that their dog is actually really quiet until an hour before it needs to be fed and that it will not shut up until it's fed. So dogs... Photo gear, all kinds of stuff. And because of dog hair, typically not dogs and photo gear at the same time, but there was a lot of both. Yeah. All right. So they emailed us the weekend before they went car shopping. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So there wasn't really any way for them to know what we were going to recommend later, which is pretty interesting. So listen to this. Mm -hmm. They drove a Volkswagen Alltrack with both the DSG and the manual, and he said he was let down. This is Isaac. He said the DSG was slower than I expected, although Mm. it was decent. Yeah. And the sales guy, he said, noted that it is tuned differently for this application even than in the GTI. Yeah. He said the manual 170 horsepower 1.8 turbo, just not enough for that car, even though the chassis is great, surprisingly nimble. Yeah, it's pretty much a lifted golf sport wagon. It's a yeah. Yeah, yeah. slight off-road golf sport wagon. <laughs> it's it's but Volkswagen not makes a cross track. I mean, it's really exactly. all it was. But anyway, go on. All right, and he said his wife was popping painkillers as soon as they got back from the second drive. Which is a key thing to remember because Isaac's wife, Sarah, is very picky. He, he described it as Princess and the Pea. She's very picky about seats. Mm, yeah. Seats are a big yeah. thing. And as a result, we recommended, I know you're not surprised, we recommended they, they drive a BMW. You also mentioned a Q5 as a possibility, even though they weren't really leaning CUV. It was kind of out there. Like, that was like an edge one. Yeah. You, we also talked about maybe a Mini. Mm-hmm. I brought up a car out of their budget. At the time, because they were trying to shop for under about twenty five grand, yeah, yeah, and and I said, well, you know, you guys feel feel to me like the perfect people for the new Buick Regal Touring X, the new Buick Regal which wagon, which was an inspired choice, I felt, but it was above their budget. But I was just like, you guys feel like the right people for that car. But another one that was mentioned along the way is I said that I kind of felt like the Subaru Outback was yeah. the play, yeah. And he was like, maybe I don't know. We may look at the Subaru Outback, and I I actually said in the podcast, I said. I thought Outback halfway through their email and got to the bottom where he listed possibilities and one of them was the Outback. And I was like, you're done. Yeah, yeah. They did that thing that people sometimes do. <laughs> uh, Here it comes. The the budget um, uh, didn't matter when it came down to it. See? Yeah. That's they blew I'm telling the budget. you. You think I blow but, out people's budgets. And but then they happens. turn around and think, yeah, he didn't go high enough. <laughs> what? But, but here's what happened. They started to have a serious conversation. Isaac and Sarah had a really serious conversation about, do we want to buy a used car? Right, right. Or do we want to buy something new that we don't have to think about the maintenance at all at this stage? Would we want to put money into that? Right, right. So they up the budget. They went with a <laughs> lease, which is interesting because a lease as well, because that means not a, by the way, not a Lotus, a lease. They went with leasing a car. Let me clarify. They, 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 they leased this car. Yeah. So that means in a couple of years they'll have a decision to make. But for right now, they have even less to worry about. But I mean, the budget it means some up. money down. True. You know, true, money true. up front. They the drove lease. and liked and leased the Subaru Outback. 2018 Outback 3.6R Limited with the EyeSight. And as Todd said, they were just tired of the repair bills for right now. And he said for about the same as financing a $22,000 used car, they were able to get into a new car with no maintenance, no repair bills for the future. Yeah. And they, they thought, well, if we like the Outback, we could always buy it out at the end of, end of the lease. Or just completely move on to something different. Or at least something else. That's what happens a lot of times, yeah. And he said, besides riding higher than he would like, not being a manual, not having sporty seats, <laughs> you broke all your rules. Isaac's you made, this, Isaac. Isaac's made uh, compromises. His wife likes the car and it does what they need. Because here's the thing. He actually says he's impressed with the car. 
Yeah. And, and the CVT, he, he's actually said the same thing we have, which is, of all the CVTs, you're the best. Now, I realize that's a low bar. That's <laughs> a really – that's like – yeah, everybody really? can limbo under that. But um, but anyway, but here's the thing. He's got this CVT, and he says – his description, which I actually really like, Isaac, is it's pretty competent. Okay, fair. That is a that is a good description. Fair. It's It's – just competent. It's the best of the CVTs, all which, right, considering right. how hateful they can be, yeah. that is a, that is almost almost a bright spot. Nissan, I'm looking in your general direction. No kidding, yeah. All right, so, uh, and then uh, we talked about a red Miata. I think I had mentioned that as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, there was, was a discussion was about Sarah. His wife, Sarah, has said she always kind of liked one, but it, he kind of threw that out in the, in the email. <laughs> it's just kind of a, by the way, and so Paul went, wait, 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 wait. Where's this red Miata for your wife? Too dismissive of that. Sarah, we hope at some point you're able to get that red Miata, but we're glad right now you guys have got a car that that really does check every box for you. Yeah. Not the fun boxes, but all the the required boxes. We hope that it's great for you and your dogs and the photography gear and probably not at the same time. Maybe the dogs could be taught to take pictures. How does that work? A GoPro on their collar? Who knows? Just they, take they a picture have, every three seconds? They actually have a vest now you can put on your dog. Of course they do. That a GoPro pops into. Right. This is the same company who recently made a Hot Wheels car that your GoPro pops into. This is, they do? Yes, this is desperation. I don't know about this This yet? is desperation, folks. Where am I on all over that? It's because they're desperate to sell that little Sessions Cube thing. Oh, okay. I, right. I'm going to get geeky for a second. The Session, at least the last time I looked at the specs, doesn't shoot 24p, so we will never use a Session. Well, I could anyway. build a racetrack down my stairs like I used to do as a kid. You could, and now you could see it you know. from first-person POV. Thank you, <laughs> GoPro. The question no one asked. Fantastic. All right, now I know what to go spend my money on. <laughs> okay, and if you've got a question on what to spend your money on, please write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. You've heard us say it before. You can write us write to us on the website as well. Yep. You can find us there. A lot of people do. And that, of course, takes you in all the general directions of all of our content as we hurdle towards season three. Yes. Kind of crazy. A couple of other bits of announcement going on real quick. Uh, keep in mind, when you write into the website or you write Everyday Driver TV at Gmail, one of us reads all of those. Yes. So yes. your email, even if we don't cover it, and please understand we get far more than we can cover. Even if, you, if we don't cover it, your email is getting at least looked at by us. Uh, well, the way we pick them is kind of arbitrary. We just kind of group them and make them interesting. So that happens. Also, we are very serious First weekend of October, we're going to do a Utah meetup. I'm yeah. just saying that so you can put it on your calendar. Details are Stake forthcoming in the ground. soon. Okay? Yeah. So we're going to do a meetup out here. Just so you know, a vague reality. It's going to have you know some meals together. It's going to have a track day. It's going to have a drive on our favorite roads in the area day, which are roads we shoot on. Yeah. So yeah. this is the vague itinerary. The details will be forthcoming soon. And it'll be like our Laguna trip. It's going to be a, an a la carte yeah. thing where we're going to tell you everything we plan to do. And then you can sign up for what you like, and everybody's going to pay your own way. You can go really expensive or really cheap or however. But we're really excited to hang out with some of you people. We've got some ideas for some kind of cool things to do. So we hope that we'll have a good group. Uh, We may have some locals. But to be honest with you, I'm excited about a few of you that, when we've mentioned this before, have thought about coming in from out of town. Yeah. We just love to show people what we do here because we just love this area. so much fun. And plus, people will will recognize. Absolutely. I recognize this corner from the whatever. Mm -hmm. That'll Mm -hmm. be a lot of fun. For sure. Guys, we've got a few commercials coming your way, so hang on. We'll be back soon. You know what's a must-have in your car care arsenal? It's a brush hero. This is the water-powered detailing tool that's perfect for tough areas like wheel spokes and engines, tailpipes and grills, and even bicycles. 
Interestingly, Brush Hero requires no batteries or electricity. It scrubs slowly with an impressive amount of torque. This was created by Car Guys. It's designed to be tough, quick, and effective without causing damage. It's easy to use. Just hook it up to a standard garden hose, flip the handy on-off switch, and start cleaning. Brush Hero is a great gift idea, and they've got an extensive line of gift sets and accessories. And now, our listeners can enjoy 10% off their order at BrushHero.com with code DRIVER. You can also find the Brush Hero at select Costco and Walmart stores. But don't forget to use the code DRIVER at BrushHero.com for 10% off, and all orders over $40 ship free. Here's some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car will improve the gas mileage. Why? Because the car is now lighter. And you can place your key fob on your chin or against your temple and increase its range. Weird, right? Well, here's another tip you might not be aware of. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory, and a simpler buying experience whether you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, users can see what other people paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before they're buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with a TrueCar certified dealer. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark, inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. We are back with Eric in Northern California writing to us with a different sort of debate. Mm -hmm. It's definitely car-related, but it's actually parenting-related and perception (laughs) and social norms-related. And and confirm confirm my choice. There's a lot of things happening here. Eric's been watching the videos for a long time, found the podcast recently. Eric, I'm thrilled that you found it and you're enjoying it. Thank you, sir. His question is about his daughter. Mm -hmm. She just turned 15, and he went and got her a car. Now, Eric wants his kids to know how to drive well, how to work on their own cars, mm-hmm. and to learn to drive a manual transmission. Mm-hmm. So he bought her. I'm applauding her. you already. I'm applauding you already, Yeah, Eric. no kidding. I, I mean, it's hard to say no, but it's also, it's one thing to say, oh, sure, I agree to that. It's another to, to go as far as Eric has and mm-hmm. be as preemptive as he is in his email with all of his thoughts. Yeah. Which is yeah, excellent. Yeah. Okay, so he went and bought her a 1990 Nissan 240SX five-speed awesome. for her first car. Awesome. Holy and she's a year cow. away from driving it, so they're going to kind of clean it up and make it hers and give her kind of basic mechanic instruction to kind of ingrain her with this car right. before she drives, which is really I, – I, I like this story the more of it I hear. I, I think it's great. <laughs> he thought sporty but low-powered, simple but a good platform to learn on. Mm-hmm. And this car belonged to a 72-year-old Nissan mechanic who passed away. <laughs> wow. It's completely stock with 108,000 miles on it. Said it needs a little cosmetic work, but what 28-year-old car doesn't need a little cosmetic Absolutely. work? Absolutely. Absolutely. Said it runs great, super cheap, no rust. It's going to be great on insurance, too, by the way, no Eric. No kidding. 
and they've got the year to fix it up, practice driving before she gets her license. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Everything about this story I like so far, Eric. It's fantastic. But here's where you start to kind of stop yourself and go, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is – the headline is um, – <clears throat> well, he's wondering and asking us. The headline is, oops, I bought my daughter a drift car. That's what, that's what the headline is. Yeah. He's asking us, should I teach my daughter to drift so she can learn the right way or just hope she never decides to try drifting at all? How do I do this in a responsible manner or is it better to not even go there? What he's asking, the question behind the question is, if I get my daughter – a cool car. How do I keep boys away from my daughter and away from cops? He wants. He doesn't want to be bothered by boys that want to race her, cops that want to pull her over, and what if she discovers this is a drift car? Well, first off, Eric, <laughs> I'm going to put down ten bucks. You can't see that your daughter is listening to this podcast with you right now. So, hello, <laughs> Eric's daughter. And if if you didn't want her to find out about it being a drift car, oops. Yeah. But you brought up the fact that this is exactly the same kind of car that we drove for our Learning to Drift video. Yep. Now, the one we drove was beat on because its entire purpose in life well, is to be a drift car. It had a welded diff, which yours does not. Yeah, true. Uh, here, here's, here's the big question it, I it's have. It's an educational vehicle. It's an it's educational tool. Learning. Here's the question research. I have for Eric. Well, specifically, hi, Eric's daughter. For Eric's daughter, do you care it's a drift car? Do you care it's it, – this is a car – let me put it another way. Eventually she will. Maybe. Well, but maybe. Because here's the thing. When I say it's a drift car, it's a car that people that drift like to change and make a drift car. True. It isn't by its nature a car that just slides sure. all over the road. You don't have to go that far. You don't Okay? Have, yeah. You put crazy, you know, like we had, the, the extra steering angle on it, uh-huh. and you weld the diff, and yeah, now it's a drift monster. But in this a, a fantastic stock form, <laughs> I submit to you, this is a 30-year-old FRS. You Good can drift point. it, but it – but sure. it I mean, you can just go drive it. So my big question is, does your daughter care that it's a car that some people turn into a drift machine? My suspicion is no. No, but you just touched on it. Even though that she might not care and never turn it into a drift machine, just the look of the car, and now that everybody knows that's what you use to use a drift car, to, mm-hmm. to build a drift car, the potential there just by itself, the the potential of this gorgeous, clean, perfect car, which is essentially a white canvas for any enthusiast <laughs> white canvas for drifting I and they would drift. think oh you're just getting into it and it's just going to remain in its potential form but you don't have to yeah you can just drive it and enjoy it yeah like i said the insurance is going to be wonderful for mm-hmm. that car but it's you're right it's going to be an excellent car so i thought about this okay. and i as did actually I. as did i i asked a friend today who has a 15 year old daughter okay all right look and, at you doing uh, research wow i thought Bravo. well this is perfect okay so i was at their house this afternoon. Okay. And I said, I've got a question for you, and I want to start with you, his daughter. I pointed to his daughter, and I said, you know, here's the question. We're going to talk about this on the podcast. What do we do for Eric? Mm-hmm. How do you keep boys away? And she's 15, and she looked up from her phone. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the story starts there. That's so perfect. Well done. Thank you for that picture. She shrugged her shoulders, and she said, I don't know. And then she went back to Instagram and liking cute shoes on Instagram. Got it. Problem solved. Problem solved. I felt vindicated and um, promptly turned to her dad and said, what would you do? And, you know, he was kind of thinking, all right, well, just to start with, you're headed in the wrong direction. If you're buying your daughter a cool car and you're not wanting her to be attracted to, you know, attractive to boys and cops and all that kind of stuff, you've kind of just gone the wrong direction. However, 
You've touched on this right now, Eric, and your desire to teach your mm-hmm. kids information, knowledge about cars. Yeah. And my thought is intimidation by virtue of knowledge. All the boys mm. are going to be so intimidated by her because she actually... A, knows how to drive a cool car that has potential. She knows how it's to drive. It's a manual transmission. She can work on it. Yeah. She knows how to drive, not just the driving school. I can guide a car and turn the wheels. There's a difference between steering your way through the world and driving and Absolutely. using your mirrors and knowing how to be active. You're bringing up a great point. It's much harder for some other high school boy to take advantage of Eric's daughter because she's like, I've got this. I know this car. Uh-huh. I changed that. I fixed this. Oh, by the way, we yep. did an oil change this weekend, and let me show you how to drive. Oh, you don't know how to drive stick? I know how to drive stick. Intimidation factor at 100. <laughs> and that's just by knowledge. You're not doing anything no, devious no, or malicious not. This or is anything. not a it's tacky just, thing. You're teaching yeah. her stuff that yeah. kids don't know. Yeah. And she'll know and have that as you know, kind of armor, I guess. And then my other thought, Eric, about the cops. Okay. I'm thinking about this. What about pretending that she got a ticket already and kind of going through the steps of, all right, it's going to cost this and starting to do the research and mm, knowing what's going to come at you because it's not if, but when. That's yeah. my feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on the other hand, that's not a bad thing because just getting that experience and having, you know, tasting that, it's going to be humbling and all those kinds of things. Then you're going to know. You know, I, I submit, honestly, Eric, I submit to you that part of learning to drive is getting your first ticket. That is Heck that yeah. is literally on the list of boxes yes. to check. It's going to happen. Heck the problem yeah. is, honestly, how much is it going to hurt financially? Not only pride, but how much is it going to hurt financially? You can ask those questions ahead of time. Well, speaking of that, because he's so thinking in advance, yeah. so yeah, preemptive yeah. about things, what about... All the sofa change and the extra ones in your wallet and a few bucks here and there and just start kind of the fun for here's what's going to pay for the first ticket or first, mm, first bump driving school or whatever or traffic school or whatever yeah, that first is. Traffic school, and yeah. We started a little fund over here on the side because then when it happens, you'll be like, oh. We've already got the fun going. It and might cover it fully. Great. And it's not, and, and you're not, by the way, I want, I want to sidestep here from a parenting perspective. You're not creating this fund because it's no problem. Go get tickets. No, you're creating no. this fund because reality exists. Right. Okay. Right, right. And, and I, I mentioned the stat before that for a while, and it may still be, for a while, the stat in Los Angeles was that a 16 year old driver in Los Angeles had a 50 50 shot of getting in a wreck. Are you kidding 50, me? 50 50, folks. When was this? Oh, when we were living there. You're absolutely me. For, for for all of the two thousands that I know of, it was a fifty fifty shot per sixteen year old. Unbelievable. And I heard one father that had a kid turned sixteen said he wanted to have an, the HOV lane exist for sixteen year olds and just be lined with mattresses because it was just <laughs> you know it's gonna happen. Right. But but I I have many other thoughts. But finish where you were. No, I, that's really where I'm thinking is this preemptive thinking about traffic school. Let's go through all the steps and actually learn about wherever, you know, in your area, Northern California, what that's going to entail, the mm-hmm. local traffic mm-hmm. schools, what a ticket at various levels, how many points on the license, what that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All you that kind of stuff. Questions. And yeah. kind of start digging into that instead of doing that after you get your first ticket like I did. Which <laughs> As most I, of us do. You know, suddenly I had As to learn. As most of us do. Wow, where's that money going to come from? I didn't have that set aside. And That's that the thing. really hurt. So that might soften the blow. It's not going to take away from the experience from a, wow, you know, learning experience. But 
it might soften the blow in terms of, all right, we're armed with knowledge. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're going to do for your daughter and for the potential, well, when it happens, the ticket down the road. I love the knowledge perspective here. And Eric, I've got a few thoughts. I want to talk about all of the elements you've got here. Paul's had some great stuff. I want to finish with the police idea and the cop idea <laughs> okay. real quick. All right. And that is this. Also have a conversation. And I don't think nobody did this for me. And now that I'm thinking back, nobody did this for me. I need to do this for my son. Have a conversation with your daughter about what happens when you get traffic stopped. Hmm. Just walk through it. I'm sure it's happened to you, Eric. Sure. When the hmm. lights happen behind you, here's what you do. And the surge of adrenaline and Absolutely. fear. And Absolutely. Here's the steps. You know, where to put your hands, where to expect the cop walking around, probably totally. on the passenger probably side at nowadays. This point. Yep. Yep. Roll yep. your windows down, what to do with your hands, your license, registration, all that kind of stuff. Be, That's being a great respectful, idea. being truthful. I mean, you know, I mean. Yeah. That you were, here's the thing. I like that. Here's the thing. You were not going to surprise the police officer with your information. <laughs> this is not going to be a shock to him. Okay? Right, right. So t- teaching your kid. Nobody told me about this. Nobody, I'm realizing this right now. Nobody told me how to deal with a traffic stop. I had to figure it out. And I was terrified. Yeah. So walk your daughter through what happens in a traffic stop. Hopefully it doesn't happen, but why not talk about it? Do police forces, police agencies actually do this, like trial runs, practice runs for young drivers? Do they I don't think do so. this? No, I don't think so. And here's the thing. I mean, I, I've, I've heard plenty of stories. Sure, I got tickets, but I also a couple times had cops be like, look, I'm giving you a warning. Because they sure. get new drivers, okay? Sure. And, and it doesn't mean just because you get pulled over, you're going to get some terrible ticket and your license goes away. That depends th- on how the conversation goes, Absolutely. Really. So, I mean, because I, I had friends in high school. I had a, one very good friend in high school that wound up in court and nearly went to jail for the way he treated a situation with a cop. You're and it wasn't a bad me. situation. It's just every step he did the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. So just have that conversation. But here's the best thing about this, Eric. You are wanting to inform your daughter. Mm-hmm. And you're worried about the boys aspect, which guess what? That's gonna there's just boys to worry about. I'm sorry. Gonna happen. Sorry. So there's that. But here's the thing. I love what Paul's saying about if she knows her car, then bravo. But I want to speak to her driving this car, specifically drifting and not. I think the fact that it's stock is to your benefit. Because it doesn't look like she's trying to stance it or turn it into a drift machine. It's just a really nice, cool car. And I think that it that just endears her to kind of everybody. But the police, the boys, etc. It's just a hey, cool car. Homage to the mechanic it's, who used to own it. It's not kind of necessarily stuff. a oh she must drift or oh she has to drive fast. It's just she and her dad have taste. That's really what it says, yeah, true. which is really cool. Also, I've mentioned many times Miatas and FRSs for first time drivers, right? Right. Because and you're doing all of this, Eric, because you're talking about a car that it's not going to overpower her power wise. It's very handleable. No yeah. big deal. It's yeah. hard hard to get in trouble. Now, I will say, side note, Eric, if you'd bought fill-in bland car here, 16-year-olds, hoon. Yeah. They do stupid things behind the wheel. <laughs> yeah. They just do. It doesn't matter. I did so, stupid things. So crazy things lot. would happen anyway, yeah. so you can't avoid that. But, but what you did is you bought a well-balanced, good-to-drive car that isn't overly powerful, didn't cost you a ton. And, and you can't your take a ton of people either. Your daughter's going to have to learn to really drive it. Yeah. Now, there are those parents out there, and I can't, I can't argue this. There's those parents out there that would say, I want to get the newest and latest and greatest for safety tech. I get that. But with 91, you're still dealing with airbags. you still got that kind of stuff in that car. Sure. sure. So it, it's not like you bought a car from the 70s. That's a tin can. You bought a car from the 90s with airbags. Right, okay? right. But she's not going to get herself in trouble for power. I submit to you, Eric, buy the best tires you can. Agreed. Get her really good tires that yeah. are prone to stick, not slide. 
Mm-hmm. Good. You could do uh, the the Kumos, make some really the, the Extra brand. Great. They make a really good one. You could do the the Michelin Pilots. We love those. You could also do the uh, the uh, Firestone Indy Five Hundred. Those have been a really good alternative. People have talked about of late sure. as a good alternative to these these rounds. Get her some really good performance tires. And I'm not saying performance tires because she's going to race. Performance tires because she's got grip that alters the drifting and it makes the car more uh, more predictable. Look what happened to the FRS when we changed it up to better tires. Any car. I mean, it's surprising what modern Camrys on modern tires can hang on to. It's actually kind of astounding, if you know what I mean. It's Totally. Wow, look what modern cars can do for a almost 30-year-old car. Mm-hmm. It'll be dramatic in performance. And then if you haven't thought about this already, Eric, I what what your daughter needs more than anything is driving instruction. And I don't mean driver's ed. Right. I mean, right. driving instruction. I would find what's the local track that is doing driving instruction. I'm going to give you two thoughts on driving instruction. Find the local track that does the teen driving schools and put her through that. Yeah. Go through it with her because I guarantee you it'll be fun. If they have a skid car bonus, but just go through that. Skid with cars her. are so awesome. They are. They're crazy. So, so I would go teaches through the so teen driving school with your daughter. Have her take it because it teaches her how to drive. Once she shows proficiency as a driver... You're talking about drifting. I'm going to leave drifting to the side for a minute. Let her autocross her car. Oh. Ooh. Because now that's a real experience of what her car can do in handling her car. Let's say a year into driving, she now has shown proficiency. That's a fun word for me right now. And she's driving well, and she's driving responsibly, and she would like to learn to drift. Now there are places you can go learn that and put it somewhere where it is able to do it. Because I'll tell you one thing. Paul and I like it we enjoyed learning it we never do it on shoots hmm. because point. public roads point. with unpredictability are a place where drifting is really hard to make go right every time yeah yeah you need so space yes so if she would like to down the line okay that can be a reward but i think a, a driving instruction actual driving school teen driving school followed by some autocross with good tires on her car i think she's just going to love to drive hi eric's daughter we've put you through a lot of stuff uh, <laughs> we hope you love this car because honestly i think it's really cool your dad did this and i think eric fantastic choice well done eric i'm i'm floored by this email and that was a lot of fun to go through so hopefully this helps let us know what uh, what happens and uh, send a photo too if you get a chance all right, we've got to jump to social media questions, which are many and yeah, multiplying. Yeah, yeah. So how about some sorbet for your brain? Okay. Switching to watches on Twitter. Wow, that's that's more like a whiplash, but I, okay. I, okay, all right, we'll go with that. But from Charlie K, I don't know why the the all the rage is now car guys talking about watches on just about every podcast. <laughs> we opened the can, that's what happened. Well, maybe so, but I'm all right. I'm looking for the ejection handle, but everybody's different. <laughs> Todd's eyes are already glazing over. For Charlie sure. K... He's on Twitter saying, hey, Paul, this got me thinking, what would you say is the watch equivalent of three cars? And so I'll I'll try to be fast here. (laughs) Fiesta ST, Honda Civic Type R, and the E30 M3, a beloved car. I bet you did this well. Okay, so think about these cars. I have no idea, but I bet you did this well. All right, so Fiesta ST, think about this car. Value for money. Yeah, yeah. But the person who drives, it still is appreciative of quality and having a good time. It's got to be a fun car to drive. Yeah. So look at the Swiss manufacturer called Formex, F-O-R-M-E-X. They use ETA 7750 movements. Sure they do. (laughs) (laughs) Of course they do. It's it's a 76 movement that I really wasn't a fan of. I have no idea what this means. Their motorsport model 8122 is great. It's a large 46 millimeter diameter, and it kind of contrasts to the small size of your car. Okay? 
Formex. I'm hearing white noise. Anybody else hearing white noise? I'm impressed, though. All right. The whole everything you just said like was like three paragraphs of white noise to me. <laughs> anyway, keep going. I did this research. All right. Honda Civic Type R. Look at the 7 Friday. It's all one word. 7 Friday P series, probably the P3. This is a company based in Zurich. <laughs> but they have Japanese Miyota movements, which are excellent reliable timekeepers. They're, okay. they're mechanical timekeeping movements from okay. Japan. It's a Swiss company, but they're not. So it's you know the heart of a Japanese movement in the Civic Type R. All right. They're really, really good. So it's along the lines of surprise and delight, just like the Civic Type R. Wow. One more car, E30 okay. M3. I'm going with something vintage but still cool, Mont Blanc, Time Walker, Chronograph, or a Rally Timer. And I'm out. I'm floored. Please, <laughs> please go on Matt Farah's Watch and Listen podcast. Uh, we He talked about getting you, me on for the G-Shock. Yeah. I know he's anxious for the G-Shock podcast to happen. He you, might have already done it. You two would have all kinds of fun, and I will promptly not listen so to that episode. Great. You know, I love you, and I, and I, and I try to back up everything <laughs> yeah, we both do, but I will not listen to that episode because <laughs> I won't understand 90% of it. Perfectly. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that happened. Um, hmm. All right. I told you, sorbet. We got to just keep that it. That is quite different. Matthew Hickey asked the question, can you, can you take a powerful car, a big, powerful car, yeah. and with more power and suspension tweaks, make it feel like a light car? Mm. So Excellent a heavy question. car, can you make it feel like a light car? Um, Matthew, uh, two thoughts here. You can, you can put a rocket on a house and make a house fast. I mean, you can get a big enough engine. You you can overpower the weight of something and make it light on its feet from a power perspective. Yeah, sure. Okay. Meaning, oh, wow, this accelerates all of a sudden. See Mm -hmm. the Saturn V rocket. You can do this. Okay. (laughs) Right. But, But weight is your enemy when you need to change direction. I mean, stopping and turning. And suspension is going to make it do those things better. Yes tire is going to make it do it better but making it feel light while it does it not going to happen mm. witness for example the nissan gtr great car to, as an example four thousand pound car it is not light okay yeah this is astounding it's a heavy car it is a earth rending car it will corner in ways that seem impossible it has incredible power yeah it is a goliath against anything you put it against it just shows up and does better than you think but you never drive that car and think this is light and agile (laughs) it's doing amazing things but it's very heavy (laughs) and it feels like a big heavy beast all the time while astounding you and then you start to question your own skills you think am i this good Am so, I really and that this car, good? That car is, is a perfect example of amazing setup of power and suspension setup overcoming an inherently heavy car. Hmm. So if you like light and chuckable, if you like cars that feel light and chuckable, you need to buy light and chuckable. Excellent. Rich J, Facebook, is asking us, uh, he said, we sometimes talk about cars that just run. We say this a lot. You want a car yeah, that just yeah, yeah. runs. And he points to Japanese makes, which are typical for us, versus cars with higher maintenance costs, which pretty much point to European cars or more specifically German cars. And he said, you know, all cars require scheduled maintenance, which they do. Yeah, yeah. So aren't we really just distinguishing reliable from unreliable cars? I think maintenance is just a euphemism for German money pit. I thought about this, Rich, and I've reached an answer that I can think explain it as best as possible. Okay. 
I'm thinking about the Porsche 928, and this yeah. is a car I learned mechanic skills on, basic sure, mechanics. Sure, stuff. sure, yeah. And that was my first Porsche that turned me on to these cars. And I, ha- I came from a Honda Accord, mind you. Mm-hmm. 92 yeah. Honda Accord EX. The car just ran, like mm-hmm. we say. Yep. So what I learned about the 928 engine, it's a V8. And on the subsequent years, I think it was 87 onwards, it was equipped with what was known as an interference engine. I thought, what, what does that mean? Mm. And it means that if the timing is off on the four-cycle, four-stroke engine, if the timing is off say the timing belt, they don't ever snap. They stretch because mm. it's a rubber belt in those sure. cars, at least. Some yeah, have yeah. a timing chain like Mercedes. Yeah, yeah, Others yeah. do it very differently. But the belt stretches. And so say the the cam turns a cog and it's, it gets off. It slips a cog or something, yeah. which means the cycle is off. This, the piston coming up either on the exhaust exit or the compression stroke, it will hit the valves. It will yeah. interfere with the valves and bend them. Yeah. And that's this a four or five thousand dollar job. Very bad news. So I think, why did Porsche have to design it that way? Well, they were extracting more power from the stroke in that engine. On the earlier 928s, they didn't do this. If a timing belt broke or, or stretched, the engine would just it would just kind of emit some funny noises and <laughs> stop making power. It wouldn't push pieces through the hood that looked at you in anger. Exactly yeah. right. So there's engines that are called interference engines. All mm-hmm. right. So. You know, pistons hitting valves, very bad. Now, <laughs> yeah, very bad. Let's say Hondas. I don't know exactly which engines, and everybody listening can tell me which BMW, Nissan, and Honda engines are okay, interfere sure. engines or not. But for example, our friend Steve in Atlanta, mm-hmm. yeah. he let his timing belt service just come and go. He, he never just did didn't it. Didn't really do it. I think he did it at like sixty, and then the next time he did it was at one hundred and sixty thousand. And it just the car just ran. Mm-hmm. And so Honda's thinking is, why would we make an interference engine? Why would we manufacture the tolerances so tight and try to extract so much mm. performance out of it? Let's just leave that alone. Mm-hmm. If something goes wrong, the engine will just stop running. We just get a new belt, change the oil, and you're good again, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of thinking where the engineering is so extreme to extract the most. Now, I'm not saying that the Japanese manufacturers don't. The GTR is a perfect example. Sure, sure, They've sure. gone all the way. They've gone past many companies to engineer that car. I'm speaking in generalities, but mm-hmm. hopefully you get the idea that, you know, depends on the car, depends on the engine. Sure, and that's sure, sure. why that 928 required a lot more maintenance and oil point. changes and check the health of the timing belt always. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just your average Civic or Corolla, if something went wrong, if the timing belt broke, or who cares? It just... Yeah. Nothing would happen to the engine. You wouldn't be faced with a mm-hmm. valve job to, yeah. why would I do that? You know, that's worth yeah. more than the cost of the car used. That's my thinking is in terms of keep it maintained and over maintain it. But then how much more rewarding is that to get the performance and experience that kind of engineering? I can see that. I, I have I have a Japanese or European. I have an add-on perspective here, and it relates to some other things we've said. Okay. What was the name on the person with this question? Sorry, I didn't see it. This was Rich J. All right, Rich. So here's here's my perspective on it. I don't think we're talking about reliable and unreliable cars. I really don't think we're talking about no, that. No, I don't. Let, let me explain, though, where my headspace is, and I'll use my wife's Cayenne. Okay. okay. That Cayenne, it has major services at every 40,000 miles. It's a common Porsche thing. It has a oil change and typical checkup about once a year. Mm-hmm. Between that, it just runs. It's just 
We're at 105,000 miles now. The next major service is at 120. I'm sure I'll do an oil change at some point this year. The car feels no different than the day we bought it at 64,000 miles. So cool. We do all of the maintenance when it's scheduled. I'll come back to why in a second because I want to use an analogy. But, But that car between services just runs. Now, an unreliable car between services goes, surprise, (laughs) <laughs> random things break. Right. Why right. did that, what I just fixed with the, I just had it in the shop two months ago for this other thing, and now that's an unreliable car. German cars can be unreliable, but so can American cars and Japanese cars and whatever. Sure. Different cars have a tendency to just not work. It's, it's amazing how sometimes you'll find trends in those cars. The The generation mini that I had just seems to run. The generation after mine seemed to break. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And if you're doing the maintenance on, all, on both of those, why is that the case? So some cars are unreliable. And when I say an unreliable car, I am thinking about between the service intervals, stuff has gone wrong. Hmm, okay? Right, right. Now, talking about Japanese cars versus German cars, let me clarify this. The, the analogy I use often is, is about horses. I know this sounds strange, but follow me. A Japanese car, I'll give you Corolla as a perfect example, Camry, Accord, whatever. whatever okay? yeah. Those cars are a plow horse. Okay, they, you don't have Fair to enough. take extra special care of them. They just, they're powerful, they're reliable, they run. Put fuel in them, they'll yes. go. Yes, so, uh, and the other thing I say sometimes is those cars will run in spite of you, not because of you. Those are the cars that you find, oh, I'm supposed to change the oil? Oh, I have 40,000 miles in my Corolla. What do you mean I have to change? I've never changed Like our friend oil. Steve. They'll just keep running. What do you mean I don't have any more money in my account? I have checks left. Because, <laughs> excellent. Because they're made so inside their extreme tolerances that... They can be abused. Mm-hmm. German cars generally are racehorses. They're thoroughbreds, which means they are finicky and they require more upkeep. Yeah. yeah. But look at what you can get out of a thoroughbred that you can't get out of a plow horse. The plow horse is going to keep pulling the wagon indefinitely. It's muddy. It didn't get well fed. It didn't sleep well last night. And it keeps working. The thoroughbred is now angry at you. <laughs> this is the difference as well. Excellent. Oh, I love it. I, I mean, we could go on, but there's other questions on here. Like uh, Zacchaeus L. asking me, Paul, are there any good books on Porsche history? Well, I'm so glad you asked. As a matter of fact... There's a good movie about it. (laughs) Yeah, there is. Uh, He also asked, how are the font for car logos designed? But first of all, Porsche, the book Origin of the Species by Carl Ludwigsen. I've got this book. Excellent. And there's also the new Porsche 70 Years book by Randy Leffingwell. It's Porsche 70 Years. There is no substitute, naturally. Mm -hmm. So both these authors produce some great stuff. We did a movie called 50 Years of the 9-11, and I will say, as not only the filmmaker, but as the guy that came into it going, I, I know what a 9-11 looks like, there's actually <laughs> stuff to learn in that movie. It, it, there's actually stuff in there. We'd love for you to watch that if you haven't seen it as well. Yeah, the font for car logos about your question. You've got to take into account the history about where the cars came from and how they kind of you know joined forces or you know whatever happened from the history and then you know, kind of what the signature of the car is. Is it modern? Is it tech? Is it a combination of both? You know, all that kind of stuff. So Mm, you've got to take that into account as you design the font and move forward. So, you know, the Tycon font, it's a script, but it's Mm kind of edgy and they've sharpened things up from the Cayman and Cayenne fonts. No, it's not. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Sharper. There's lightning bolts in there. I can Uh, point out anyway. Electric. Yikes. Anyway, Oliver Hinton on uh, Facebook said uh, he's asking an either or fun car, specifically Mustang convertible he's looking at, to drive on the weekends or a truck that he'll use a couple times a year. What should he put in his driveway? Oliver, Hmm. 
the sports car, the fun car. And here's, uh, without question, I, I say that without even blinking, and here's why. It sounds to me like the truck you'll need a few times a year. If that's really what you need it for, you can rent a pickup at Home Depot for the day. Mm. Okay? Yeah. And yeah. get everything you need that is truck related done. You can't get it from Home Depot. For, so rent one from somebody else. You can just, it doesn't need to be a special truck. It just needs to be a truck. That's what I read into this. But if you have that fun car in your driveway, anytime you can take a fun drive, you have a car that is yours that you don't have to rent anywhere and you can do exactly what it's designed for. I think it's fun car all day long. Mm, excellent. There's a question on Twitter as well from our friend Jay Collins 21 Okay. He's asking about his upcoming ring trip in July to the Nürburgring. He scheduled a Fiesta ST with RSR and oh, yeah. has instruction. Good. Good. Said, good. I'm really, really tips? glad. Do we have any tips about getting the most out of his short amount of time with them? He said it's his first time on the Nürburgring, and I plan on taking my own car out for following trips. Excellent choice. I hope you have a blast. Yeah, you're, you're doing it right. RSR just is with the thing. They, they are. I mean, just starting with the instruction, Todd and I have long said that the best insurance policy is an instructor, a pro driver, instructor, somebody familiar with the track, whoever that is, sitting shotgun with you and showing you all the things about the track. Mm-hmm. And I've, I could kind of make a case for riding with that instructor on some hot laps maybe before or after but i'm kind of thinking after i'm thinking about them showing you after you doing your own thing because if they show you what the car can do and then hand it off to you you might come in a little overconfident you'll be yeah yeah not the right setup yeah so i'm kind of leaning towards wait for after you know so you then you've done it yourself you know what it takes and what you've done or haven't done right. And then when they show you, possibly it'll yeah. be astounding. And then just tire grip alone, you'll be astounded by what's possible sure, on sure, modern sure. street tires, not even slicks. Yeah. I, I have, I think this is great that you're doing it absolutely right. Get, get a yeah. Fiesta ST. Fiesta ST will be super fun on that track and get the instruction. But I'm going to say this to you. Make sure you have at least two laps worth of instruction. And here's why I'm going to say that. A lot of times, and the RSR guys are great instructors, but instructors yeah. vary as to how they approach this thing. But most instructors on the ring, because it is overwhelming because of its length, they will instruct you this way. You're driving along, and they will go, break, down at a third, turn right. Mm-hmm. Turn left. Tap the brakes. Right. Left now. Which, trust me, when you are overloaded on the ring, that is all you can take in. That is that. <laughs> you, that true. is your lifeline. You are gripping to it desperately. Like, what do, what do I do? What do I? You may see that it goes right, but until that guy says turn right, you still aren't sure. Okay, yeah. so so that will probably be your first lap. I say on a subsequent lap and subsequent laps, if you can get them, now ask the instructor to give you visual cues to use to make those turns. Excellent. Because the, the problem is, if he gets out of the car after doing the turn left, turn right, you're not going to have any of your markers. You probably won't know. There, there's certain, for example, I can think of one specifically. It's it's uh, number 250, if memory serves. or maybe, No, it's, it's 152. That's what it is. It's a 152 board that I remember is one of your turning points. Oh, sure. Because all the, the numbers, all the corners have got numbers all over the track. And there's different, like there's a kilometer board. There's a, on the back, the back speed part where you're almost, the fastest part of the track where you're almost getting to uh, carousel, before carousel. There's an 11 kilometer board that is your first turn in. And if you, if you do your angle right, you can hit the next three apexes before the fast corner. Yeah, yep. This is how my brain works. But my point is, how did I learn that? An instructor told me, 11-kilometer board, turn in. 
uh, I forget which corner it is, uh, that, you know, that has the bricks on the left side and you wait until the bricks end before you uh, turn Bergwork. in. I'm pretty sure it's Bergwork. Bergwork. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. what I'm thinking it's of. It's cobbles, and cobbles, cobbles, cobbles in. Exactly. Everybody turns in way too early. And gets and stuck. And spits them out at the other mm-hmm. end in the wrong place. So, so I would say if the instructor the first time through is just calling the corners, which they probably will do, get them to call corners with reference. Uh-huh. You're not going to remember all the reference. I would also say do this. Run a GoPro. Because we actually have on our pilgrimage film, we have an extra that's available anywhere you buy that pilgrimage film. We have an extra that is our first instructor lap where Dom, our great instructor, not only called the called the lap, but he called the reference points. And I have watched yeah. that more times than I can count. Yeah. And I still hear him in my head certain places where I'm like, that's my reference point. Because any track you drive, you're going to want to know where's my turn in points, where's my ex- my exit. Especially if you can't see, and the ring is all Which blind is 80% quarters. eighty percent of the <laughs> yeah. ring. So you're going to love having reference if you can get those guys to tell you. Yeah, make sure you point your nose at the Yokohama sign before you turn left, and please tap the brakes before YouTube corner. <laughs> please, you don't have to come in hot because then you will be on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very true. All right, uh, awkward rogue on Instagram says hypothetically, if I wanted to find a used car from a now defunct brand, what would be the quintessential car from hmm. each of you hmm. that we can think of to shop for? I've got to go Pontiac GTO, either the hmm. 64 all the way to 67 before the body change in 68. But you think Pontiac, what's the next thing that's out of your mouth? GTO. Hmm. It's got to be GTO. They made their own engines. Okay. They were well known for doing so. They didn't use just the general, you know, other engines from Chevy. And uh, yeah, they were just known as the kind of inexpensive horsepower, just awesome cars. Pontiac GTO. That's my car. Nice. I I, I don't know. I, I don't have enough answer for that. Wiseman comes to mind. Interesting. Remember those? Oh, my gosh. Take M3s and make madness. That that would be I fun. I like one. that. That'd be a very fun one. Uh, let's see. We've got many, many others. Oh, let's do a track daily crush. All right. All right. Uh, no, not like the one from Friends. His first <laughs> name is Ross. Anyway, uh, yeah. So track daily crush from the Trails edition. Okay. You, your picture today on Instagram was of that Via Cross we saw at a recent uh, recent car event. By the so way, says, that owner had four air horns hidden on the roof rack behind yes. that air deflector, like with the air compressor and everything, like train horns. He just liked to scare people. Yeah. Uh, his favorite thing about that car was nobody knew what it was. And so when we set out some Suzu Via Cross, I'm telling you, it deflated him like a balloon. <laughs> yeah, he no. was like, but you... You know what? Yes, we do. Yeah. We're going to take pictures of it anyway. So he says, <laughs> exactly. here's, here's the track daily crush for the trails. The Via Cross, the Cherokee two-door, or the Yukon two-door. And then he throws in all the other two-doors he can think of. But let's just stay with those first three. Mm. The Via Cross, the, the Cherokee two-door, or the Yukon two-door track daily crush for trails. So, uh, so I would actually say it's not track. It's trails Trail daily, daily crush. crush. All right. Well, I know of the two of us, you're the guy that actually likes the Via Cross. I would actually drive the Via Cross. I know you would, and I yes. don't understand that this. Is my, that is my guilty pleasure car for reasons I can't <laughs> even explain to you. I don't just, get it. Except for the guys whose photo you posted, uh, that one was not for me. But in general, there was a really clean one that sold on Bring a Trailer recently for the better part of twenty grand. Really? Yes, which means I'm not completely alone in this madness. I mean, I'm alone in a lot of my madness, but this one, there's at least a few other people out there, and some of them have money, certainly more money than I do. But anyway, interesting. Yeah, I would, I would probably daily the Via Cross, of course, you and would. I would peel everything I could off that Cherokee two door and jack it up and put tires on it and trail the heck out of it. I'm crushing the Yukon. Really? I like the Yukon, but I'm crushing it. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm very different. Okay, I am crushing the Via Cross with, with, <laughs> with pleasure. Glee. 
<laughs> absolutely can't crush it fast enough. No, it cannot find the crusher fast enough. Uh, I am going to drive the Yukon and okay. definitely the XJ Cherokee two door. That is the trail car right okay. there. Yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. Love it. Very cool. Holy moly, guys, thank you so much for writing to us. We really appreciate all the social media questions, and uh, we are definitely looking forward to next time. Hope you enjoyed. Cheers, everyone. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. Hey, it's Shaq, your official spokesperson for Podcast One Sportsnet. And 2019 is starting off in a very big way, thanks to my friends and exclusive partners, BetOnline.ag. I'm not sure what kind of gift you got this holiday season, but I'm betting <laughs> it's not as good as an all-expenses-paid trip to the big game. That's right, we're talking round-trip flight, hotel, VIP tailgate party, and tickets to the big game for you and the guests here in my town of Atlanta, Georgia. How do you enter? Simple. Go to BetOnline.ag. Sign up for BetOnline.ag Account, use the promo code BIGGAME and enter in the contest. Our exclusive partners at betonline.ag have the golden tickets to the big game. Don't miss out. This promotion ends January 28th. Visit betonline.ag today for all the details and use the promo code BIGGAME. Game. Game. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.